Welcome back, my name is Last No Meal and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Cyberpunk 2077 Community Podcast. Today with me I have the usual bunch, starting welcome from back. Mad Queen, no welcome. Greetings Earthlings. Triple S League. Hello, how is everybody doing? I'm Subsidian. And the Neon Arcade. What's up, everybody? And today up, we have a very special guest, a lead quest designer from CD Projekt Red, currently working on Cyberpunk 2077, Pavel Sasko. Welcome. Hello, everybody. It's a wonderful feeling to be here with you. Same with us, same with us. And we do apologize for the technical issues that was on my end. Please do not blame Mad Queen. This was on, <laughs> this was on me. <laughs> Yeah, this time it wasn't me. <laughs> so today we have a lot of... My, win hmm? my Windows was just updating before the stream, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, every time, every time there is something important, like a podcast or anything like Windows, like, oh, I want to update, please. So yeah, today we have a lot of things to talk about. If you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the uh, chat below. But um, I'm certain that the uh, the squad here has also a lot of questions for Pavel. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of questions, but I have the first. And I, I this question is because I am not really sure sometimes if uh, I'm saying things that uh, are not there or... Uh, I'm seeing an insane, an insane uh, attention to detail. So I have a very, very, very stupid question that I had a great curiosity since the first time that I watched the trailer. Does huh. the noodle guy wear Bioware? Uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> I know this was going to be the question. Oh, that was the question about Bioware. Yes, okay, now I now I got it. But what was the first bit of the oh, sentence? Sorry, on the internet, um, we call we call uh, Dexter's bodyguard the Noodle Guy. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a name that we put to him. <laughs> Why? Yeah, oh, yes, first... for the first trailer because he was eating noodles in the first trailer. That's correct. That was him. Uh, does he wear Bioware in his arms? Does he wear a, a muscle weave? Uh, no, he actually does not wear the Bioware in the understanding or in the meaning of uh, Cyberpunk 2020. He is wearing a Cyberware, and this, those are gorilla arms, actually, what he is wearing. Mm. So gorilla are cyber limbs. It's not, uh, it's not Bioware. It's Cyberware. Is there Bioware in the game? <laughs> I uh, cannot talk about it. <laughs> Shut down already. I, Second I, question. I was thinking, like, how many questions before uh, you say I cannot? I cannot answer that. <laughs> <laughs> if I got the first question, it was going to be the first question. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to shut up for a while. Um, I do actually have a question uh, for you, Pavel. It's more of a question about your work there. Uh, when you, how did you, how did you get into into the position to be a lead quest designer? Like, what uh, what was the motivation behind it, and how do you usually approach uh, that work? Because that is something uh, that is really interesting um, to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, okay, I will try to answer this question not in like two hours long or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the story is actually um, pretty standard, I would say, but uh, it has twists and turns. Um, 
So uh, I was born in Polish mountains. Uh, I'm, I'm actually 34. Uh, so uh, for people who like saw me, they were like shocked that I'm 34, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm in the industry 15 years. Um, right now, I started when I was 19. Uh, and uh, when I was like 14 years old, something like that, I uh, actually didn't have a computer. Uh, one of the things that I was doing, I was taking care of the cows. And uh, I was taking them for the pasturing um, in Polish mountains. <laughs> and we had this epic magazine uh, called Secret Service. So I was always taking Secret Service with me in like a bag and like reading it with one of my cows. Uh, at the beginning, it was two cows. Later, it was one cow. Uh, we were reading together. They were always like sneaking and circulating me around. One, uh, which was Kalina, she always loved to lick me on the neck, uh, which I tried to teach her not to. <laughs> Maybe we're entering here into Tumazita. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but it was a, it was a key detail. It was a key. <laughs> anyway, we need to know about his cows. Come on. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There are quests in the game. That, yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> let's move on. So, um, but basically, I didn't even have a computer. And uh, one of the things I was doing, I was reading about games, and I was imagining, you know, how it is to play the games and so on. I, I actually didn't know how it is. I I saw it. Um, I saw like a really old Aladdin game from like 1980 something on computer from my friend. That was the only computer game I ever saw. And the last one was just my imagination. <laughs> so I didn't know how the computers, like how the computer games work, really, um, at the time when I was 14. And uh, yeah, and then there was this moment where I was I was like reading articles in Secret Service, and I found out uh, when I was like I think 17 that there's this company called CD Projekt Red and they are making the game based on Witcher, on the Witcher saga. Uh, and I was actually a fan. I was actually like reading the books. I knew a lot of them. And thing is that this, this is somehow like sparked my interest, you know, to start looking into it. And then I figured, okay, there are like computer games that have stories and then you can, you know, like be almost like a writer mm -hmm. for them. And this like started to spiral all my interest in that. I, I started, you know, like uh, reading, reading all the things that I could about it when I got my first computer when I was like 17, I think, or 18. You know, learning everything about it. And when I uh, was 19, I finished high school and then went to Warsaw to study journalism and psychology. I, I did two different masters. And in the same time, I was working. So I was, uh, I was, I was crazy from the beginning, I would say, um, and I, I really wanted to do it. I really wanted to work in the games. Um, like a, a smaller companies. At first, I was just a guy in the internet who was like with other, uh, with few other creators. We were like working on some small game. Uh, they were called indies. Like ten years later, we used to we we started calling them indies, uh, but at that time it was not like that, and. At that point, I started like working on first like small mobile games and started learning, you know, how to actually do that, you know, what it's connected to it. Uh, at first, those games were actually not mobile. It was called uh, those games were called uh, hidden object puzzle adventure games. Um, then there was the first first RPG that was never released that they've been working on, and then there was um, Metropolis Software that was a company that I joined like 12 years ago, I think. 
Uh, and then I went to Reality Reality Pump, where we made uh, Two Worlds 2 and Two Worlds 2 Pirates of the Flying Fortress. Those are two big open-world RPGs that I've been working on. And in my last year of working there, uh, I've been there like three years. I became a lead of the team. And at that time, CD Projekt was working on The Witcher 2. And after we released the second expansion, I... Uh, reached out to them thinking like, okay, maybe I'll manage to join them. I already tried multiple times and they every time told me like, get the fuck out. You know, uh, you, have like, you, have like, you have like zero skills, you know, so. <laughs> um, but, I, but I knew, okay, I just need to be persistent. I need to, you know, learn. I had this goal. I really wanted to join them. It was like something that like sparked in my um my roadmap, my, my imagination that I really wanted to be with them because I, I was a believer in their mission. And it was something very seductive, I would say, in the way they were maintaining themselves as a company, the way they were building the games, uh, the way they were talking about the games. Um, it was something very magical for me. Um, and uh, it, it was very different, you know, from other companies. And that's why I really wanted to join. And eventually, there was this interview that I had with Adam Badowski. I remember I, I came to the interview. Interview was supposed to be like supposed to be like thirty minutes, and we sat down with Adam for like three and a half hours, um, just discussing things. Like it was already over hours. Like we finished at like ten in the evening or something. My interview uh, because we were just sitting together and discussing things. Um, and I, I think he liked me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this is how it, yeah, this is how it whole, the whole thing started. Uh, but yeah, there was like a lot of crazy uh, stories, you know, connected to my uh, to my whole recruitment. But maybe I don't want to bore you guys with that. And then, you know, when I joined with Witcher Two, we finished Witcher Two, we finished Enhanced Edition. I was a specialist at the time. Then I became a senior on the Witcher Three because I, yeah, I was just putting all my heart uh, mm-hmm. into this work. I worked in uh, plenty of main quests and side quests in the Witcher Three. Uh, the, the, the ones that I like, like the most, I would say, or put the most work in. Um, this is a Bloody Baron storyline, so like Family Matters and a few other quests that follow that. Uh, then there was, uh, uh, for instance, Romance with Yennefer, which was uh, The Last Wish. I did also uh, Battle of Kermoran. And then, uh, uh, yeah, there was like, I think, 12 quests altogether, like a big, big main quest that I've been working for The Witcher 3. And then um, for expansions, I became a lead of the team. And uh, I've been leading the team since that time. Uh, I worked on the uh, wedding quest uh, for the first expansion for Hearts of Stone. And in the second expansion, I did uh, La Cage of Fou, which is the quest about the Spoon Collector um, in the second Witcher. And after that, I transitioned to cyberpunk. And that has been going for some time. <laughs> nice. Wow. That, this, that is quite you a story. You worked on the best quests. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, I was lucky enough to uh, make some decent things, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- those, are the, those are the quests we actually remember. <laughs> yeah, those were all great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there something on par with maybe the Bloody Baron in terms of like emotional impact in in 2077? Are there do you have a personal favorite that you've maybe worked on already in in the game? Well, um, it's not the quest that I've been working on. It's one of the very talented designers in my mm-hmm. team that's working on it, and that's as much as I will say about it because I don't want to spoil anything. Sure. Uh, but but yeah, I mean. 
one of the things that we learned, like when we were working on the quest for The Witcher, and I think we are doing it better in Cyberpunk, but you know, you guys will judge, um, mm-hmm. uh, which was that like we learned very fast or early in The Witcher 3 that those quests that are considered the best, they are connected to emotions for the player. And those right. quests don't have to be like dramas. Those have to, they, it does not have to be about killing, raping, and all that. Um, it has, it could be also funny and cheerful, like let's say the wedding was. Um, we, like, it, it's, and it's, and it's extremely trivial what I will say right now, but it, it's when, when they, our viewers, our, our players, when they tie emotional value, when they add emotional value to anything, they remember it better, right? This is like extremely obvious. Um, but I don't think it's that obvious for game creators. I think that the movie industry figured it out like ages ago, and, and we are just catching up um, mm-hmm. because there's not that many games that we've been doing this. Like, I think since The Witcher 3, and I'm not saying that Witcher 3 like made other developers do it, but I, I, I think that we are maturing as an industry well enough to be like also talking about more important topics, I would say. Uh, because really, like for me, games are art. Mm-hmm. They can right. be art. They definitely, like, they definitely proven that they can be art. And um, same as movies or any other, like, really industry. Um, and that's why, like, I think we we learned uh, very early that tying emotional value with any story that we tell is important. And players will like it, and then they will enjoy it more, and they will understand it more, and so on. And I I feel that cyberpunk is packed with it. Mm-hmm. Things, there are things that you know st- stroke a chord, you know, with different people from The Witcher Three. So I, I love it. Like there was the recently on one of the uh, groups from The Witcher. Uh, it's called the uh, The Witcher Lair, the one on Facebook that I'm always lurking in, <laughs> and I'm always spy- spying on people there. Uh, but there are very often like the threads when the when the guys are there uh, and guys and girls when when they talk about what are the best quests in the game. And pretty much all those like threads, they go completely differently. Like people point out, of course, like often similar quests are mentioned, but very often like those are things that nobody ever mentioned before. You know, like mm-hmm. there was some quest that somebody loved. Like uh, I remember from The Witcher Three, there was one quest that not that many people found um, that was done by very talented senior in our team who's who's now working on cyberpunk. And he did a, a quest where player finds out the cheese dungeon. Oh. Uh, so there was, there was a mage who was doing a transmutations of cheese and you can get a sword at the end that is called a mentaler. And like basically this, this whole quest is, is a big joke that, that he did. And I, one of the people mentioned that quest. This is like so hidden, like it's so hidden that it's almost impossible to find in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, it's like this one is a funny one. I don't know, maybe the person who loved it just likes Cemental Air and loves cheese. <laughs> but <laughs> who but it's like in some way, yeah, in, in some way that particular quest has spoken to that person like in a stronger way than others. And, and this is what I really like, like so that we can t- talk like make a game that is like varied enough and tells a story that is like so rich and so vast and, and stri- strikes like different emotions that mm-hmm. a lot of different people can find something in them. And we tried to do that in The Witcher and I think we're doing it way better in Cyberpunk, but you know, we will see. <laughs> mm. so- well, this that you are explaining, uh, 
makes me think makes me think of a question about about transmit emotions in the game because in the world of cyberpunk that is one thing that is a very that is a very um like it's the core of the universe which is the sense of paranoia you had uh, the stories you had the uh, different things that uh, as a game director you could play with to make your players be paranoid about things and when we saw the trailer we saw uh, a little bit of this uh feeling of paranoia in the fact that you don't know if you're going to be betrayed or you're not going to be betrayed because in the lang body language of uh, of the fixer you could show that something was about to happen but this is a core aspect of the cyberpunk universe i mean did you think about that when transmitting the emotions of the universe the sense of paranoia mm -hmm. yeah i mean definitely it's a it's a really cool question actually um and uh, I think it ties up with the noir in general, with the noir as a genre. And uh, it and cyberpunk is like one of the I would say children of noir. And one of the elements of it is a, is a paranoia, as you mentioned, uh, and it's important for for cyberpunk. Um, and in The Witcher, we did build and use that kind of element and played with it a bit. Uh, but I think that Witcher was a bit more I would say cheerful. Uh, in places, uh, and in the, especially the feeling of being betrayed and, and the feeling of being unsure, you know, who do you trust in cyberpunk is very important for us. Mm -hmm. Don't want to spoil much, uh, but uh, the showing of the uh, Gamescom demo that is coming um, will contain like some of it. So I, I think you will be able to uh, like feel a bit uh, mm -hmm. of that and see it on the screen, like what exactly we mean by that. And you can build it, you know, by, by, by the way the characters are acting, by the music. Uh, you can build it by the certain choice of colors. Uh, like, th this is extremely basic, what I'm saying, but uh, I don't feel that many games do that. Like, I, I think that we are, as an industry, way too immature uh, to look at things like this. Um, and, and here in CD Projekt, we, we really try uh, to look at it like in a very, like to treat the medium as, a, uh, to treat games as a matured medium uh, and use all those tricks, I would say, to like create the feeling, the, the feeling of paranoia, exactly. That's one of them. Um, but I think that cyberpunk is, is way more, uh, I think it's way richer uh, than, than only that. Uh, that's the same for, for, that was the same for The Witcher, right? People felt uh, that it's dark fantasy and that's what the game is going to be and that's like the primary feeling. Um, and I think the paranoia is going to be probably one of them in cyberpunk, but there's way more. Um, there's this very old, like I would say, rule in storytelling, which is that, you know, too much of the same is is not good. <laughs> or mm. that was that was not perfect English, but my, my point is like if you eat ice cream every day, you will vomit. You know, <laughs> to put it in other words. So if, we, if you want to keep the player paranoid, you need to deceive him. Mm -hmm. You make it that from time to time, there is a person that you can trust. There is a person that you can love. There's the person that is actually faithful. Um, and because of that, that creates like such a natural, I would say, mix mm -hmm. that gets into your head and you start doubting yourself and you start thinking, like, what the fuck's going on? Like, who, should I trust or should I not trust, you know? And, um, and yeah, I, I think that's the, that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. So, so let, me, uh, let me ask one here. Um, one of my favorite things in, in most games is when you have 
interesting characters and interesting little bits of of things here and there. Now we, we've seen the spider bot. Is there any weapons that have uh, either an AI or a personality core in them that's a little bit snarky or snassy, uh, s- sassy that likes to uh, talk or at least um, uh, list off the kills that you're doing? That's the wonderful question, and uh, but I can't answer it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's going to calm them? <laughs> but, I really, but I really question in the line of thought, I would say. Mm-hmm. So then let me do a uh, follow-up one. Are there any missions that we could uh, possibly um, complete uh, if if we focused on, instead of bringing more ammo to the fight, just a big old keg of alcohol or, uh, and, or, and or money or, or you know... Oh, absolutely. Okay, good, good, good. So, so we've got oh, really absolutely. interesting ways that, that we can finish some of these quests then. I mean, you can look at the, what we did in The Witcher and like think about more ridiculous way. And that's the, that's like, the part. like um, it's just like, like if this is what we've been doing in the past. So here we just push it a bit further. Like, of course, it's not in a way because that wouldn't, wouldn't, would be like, would have been unmanageable uh, on the production side, you know, to cover all those possible options and so on. But we really like do our best to, to cover all the things. And also like, like one of the beauty, beautiful things in The Witcher was that some solutions, like some things that you could do were very, like there was an obvious way to do things. There was less obvious ways to do things. And there were like some, some ways that were super hidden that players like found years after. And, uh, and yeah, you can apply it to cyberpunk. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the way. Um, <clears throat> example, I think you mentioned that you picked the bagel and you <laughs> fixed the quest with it. Uh, I'm not sure if they heard it correctly, but yeah, I mean, um, that's, uh, that's the interesting way. <laughs> well, in fact, we, we, we also had uh, a discussion some time ago about uh, using the relationships with other characters to mm. be able to complete quests. Well, that's the blowjob joke, but uh, <laughs> being <yeah>. softer <laughs> relationships of characters. <laughs> so is it because usually the, um, when you when you can romance characters, this is something that is apart from from the quest. It's not something that uh, it's going to make you advance in the story. It's something that is apart. I mean, it's it's integrated into into the story in Cyberpunk, or is just something that you can do apart from quests. Uh, yeah, so I think thinking about the relationships with the characters, you can like think about Witcher 3, <laughs> and I know that I'm saying it all the time, uh, <laughs> but it is sort of true. So um, in The Witcher, we, we learned too, that one of the best structures for open world that we can do is uh, make like a very strong, I would say, spine for the story that is leading the players. And in that spine, introduce different traits, different tropes from the um, I would say that given uh, type of the game, so let's say from cyberpunk or from dark fantasy, like introduce those elements slowly in the main story and then also introduce the characters. And then when you have this very strong root, very strong spine, then you build like leaves, you know, around it. And I would say that this is the way how the cyberpunk story is. So mm-hmm. as you develop your main storyline and you move further, there will be like, hints and the game will like show you things that you can do and you can move forward but you won't i think ever know if we are tying up back to the main story with it or are you already on the side branch and just developing um, your relationship with the character um 
the game at some points, depending of, of course, what kind of character uh, you are building and what kind of progression you, you are going with, uh, the game will telegraph it in some ways uh, because there are some important decisions, I would say, like basically, you know, uh, like the simple example is, do I want to be in a quote unquote relationship? Uh, with that given person, so of course we will telegraph that in 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 some way. Um, but we are trying to keep it like as close to life as possible. And, and you know, as we know, like things like that can be pretty vague, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Between mm-hmm. so we just we just want to like strike that I would say balance or to just keep it real, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And. Uh, <clears throat> going to meet and the relationships that you're going to develop they are going to be useful and sometimes very useful and sometimes useful in a very surprising ways i would say for mm-hmm. a main storyline mm-hmm. okay and useful for the enemy or for the player <laughs> useful for i'm what? wondering for the enemy or for the player oh i mean different ways <laughs> <laughs> very we do have a question from Marian Boltevsky. It's actually a really good one. Uh, how are non-killable essential NPCs handled? Will there be a logical context for invulnerability? Invulnerability. I cannot pronounce this. Invulnerability. Yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's a troubled word. Uh, that's, a, that's a that's a wonderful question. Um, so I will answer it the same annoying way as always do. So in The Witcher Three. <laughs> We we are handling we are handling in a fairly similar way. So there's always a uh, I would say uh, a strong story context to it. So that character is tied up with your plotline uh, and is needed. And let's I would say on a declarative level, you as a and, and this character this character is useful for you, or you are helping him or her, or you have common goal. And because of that, as you declare that, you become like sort of a he, they become immune to you, sort of. Mm. This, this is the way how we do it. So we basically follow up the player, checking basically what is your, I would say, relation with that character. How are you um, posi- positioning yourself against them? And depending on that, you can kill them or not and develop that uh, further. Um, and of course, that means that the most important characters are unkillable, the same as in The Witcher. Uh, but for instance, there were character, I would give an example, for instance, of Keira Metz, uh, right? She was unkillable for most of the game, but there was a strong story moment when the players could um, could kill, them, kill her, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that is exactly like, that is very, very close to how we are handling it here. Mm-hmm. Well, as you mentioned The Witcher constantly, there is something that The Witcher had, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're wondering if we're going to see in Cyberpunk 2077, which is crafting mechanics. You only talked about so far about the crafting mechanics regarding weapons, but obviously we're going to be able to be a techie, which uh, sounds like a person that would have other abilities apart from repairing weapons. What can you say about crafting mechanics that are not applied to guns? Uh... Okay, so uh, it's a it's a really cool question. Uh, actually, techie techie class for us, I would say, or um, or techie build rather than class because we don't really have classes. Um, techie build is a is a build that is utilizing the flathead, and flathead is the spider bot that we have shown in the first demo. Uh, it's the one that we bought from Royce, right, in the Old Foods factory, mm-hmm. uh, meeting Meltrum, uh, that you guys hopefully remember. So. Um, the uh, techie class is the one that 
is able to command Flathead around and ask him to perform various actions for, for the player. And um, I'm talking about the, the, uh, the Flathead because Flathead is actually the one that is performing those actions for the player. And uh, Flathead can perform takedowns uh, for the player, can, uh, can like take over some devices for the player, and can also dismantle objects and collect parts uh, for the player. Ooh. And now those elements are actually used for the crafting. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, like the classes are not uh, the classes are fluid. So as a player, you are not tied up to uh, like you don't really have to be specialized tacky to be able to use crafting. Um, I just wanted to point it out. So basically, if you are a solo or if you are a net runner, you can still use crafting. It's not like that it's blocked uh, for you. Uh, just basically the way you obtain parts, it's done in a different way. Um, but then as a player, as you obtain those parts uh, using, let's say, a uh, uh, techie build, in that case, you are able to use them to uh, upgrade your weapons, upgrade your uh, gear in general, uh, speaking uh, broadly. And gear, uh, in this case, I mean, uh, talk, uh, sorry, um, mentioning gear here, I mean uh, specifically pretty much most of the elements of equipment. I'm not sure if I can say that it's all, all the elements. I don't think that those are all the elements you collect, but most of the things that you collect uh, in the game that you use as a gear, you can craft, craft or upgrade, because that's also the important part, because for us it's tied together. Um, so it's not only that you create new things, but you uh, can update things that you have already found in some way. So you can like boost its stats or change its appearance to, you know, like turn it more towards your likeness, I would say, or the way you like And you're going to flathead. Uh, I don't want to disclose it yet, but you can, you can, but you can do various things with flathead. Yes, that's correct. Mm. Can you control the flathead yourself, or is it kind of uh, like an AI kind of companion? Uh, you are actually controlling him in a way that you're issuing commands for him. Okay. So he is AI controlled, but mm. at moments when you want him to do stuff, you just tell him. Okay. So you basically issue him command. And you go like flathead fetch, and he goes runs and kills mm -hmm. the uh, animal guy. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Do we also so have we those have, commands have... for other companions, like uh, human human companions? Do we get commands for them, or are they kind of just they do their own thing? They mostly do their own thing, and this okay. is because the they are like f this is for us an important bit of building their personalities. So sure. they are actually they are acting differently. Uh, they have slightly different, like I would say, AI archetypes. So the way they are fighting, uh, our companions, uh, they are fighting slightly different ways depending, you know, what those companions are. Uh, so because uh, it's it's actually a lot of them, they have different abilities. So they are doing different things, and that is always tied up to their, I would say, personalities, like the pe the the persons they are, their history. Mm -hmm. But of course, in the story element, in, in the story moments, there are moments when you are deciding together. Okay, how we are approaching it? Like, you know, situation looks this, this and that. Let's do this, and then you can discuss it together and be like, okay, that's the correct way to go. Um, so there are elements like that. So in that form, you can say yes that you can issue the commands, but it's more, you know, like story based. Uh, sure. While we're, while with Flathead, he is just an AI, right? So you just point him out, like, okay, Flathead, go there, take this guy, connect me to this access point, and so on. So um, that's the way how you how you uh, that's the distinction, I would say. 
Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, now that we're talking okay. about crafting mechanics, we're talking about crafting mechanics inside the techie build. But how about, for instance, then running build? Can we be able able to craft our own programs? Um. We go for yeah. the third. We go for the third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're the master in hitting those troublesome questions, uh, <laughs> Matt Green. I mean, um, like not to disclose it yet. Okay. As an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, you have access to various types of programs that you can use. Um, they're like, I know that uh, journalists and YouTubers, influencers were talking about various programs for uh, for this year's. Um, demo, and I think we, you guys, will be able to. Uh, you guys, being like you know gamers, players uh, in general, will be able to like see it um, in action. Various uh, programs that you can use, uh, but that's as much as I would like to say now. <laughs> so then let's let's change the um, this. Just quickly touch on two more. I got two quick questions to um, from from the community about quests. Uh, one from a, a Goriza fan. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Some kind of a fan of gorillas. I, I, I think you I just spelled it wrong. Say. Well, <laughs> all right. So when pursuing quests, um, will we have a? You know, so uh, there's there's one type of game where it's like, oh, your all your options are right there, and you just kind of like fast press whatever. You know, sometimes they're even in the same like order all the time, and 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 so your snarky ones always like bottom left or something like that. Um, and and when passing a skill check, do you do you have to like? Is it just reliant on that, or is it more actual like conversation trees where it's like you kind of have to guide the conversation and notice on things and pick up on things and the, and and kind of follow a more um, a more a more branching pathway for conversation. Uh, like they did in um, Deus Ex Human Revolution is a good example um, but if you go back to like a lot of the older RPGs there's a ton of really old RPGs where you know you had to bring up a particular subject or catch a particular thing in order to like really get a hidden not, not a hidden but a, um, not the obvious answer to something very quickly it's like is the conversation more like you know the auto path quick fire things where people can do it with barely paying attention, you know, hit and skip every two seconds, or is it going to be something more akin to, like, um, something with meaningful complexity? I think the best answer here would be that um, it varies depending on the context a lot. Um, dialogues, when you have a scene or, like, dialogue basically with a character that is um, a, uh, I would say, less important character, I would say vendor, for instance, there's not much complexity going on there, you know, like yeah. you're talking about wares, you know, hey, could you please tell me about this yellow cyberware that we have here? That's a fairly interesting, you know, Mantis blade. <laughs> uh, so it, it's not really like this because in some in some places it does not really make that much sense or like does not offer really that yeah. much say, excitement. But of course, in cases when it matters, it is exactly as you described. So you have to actually go through multiple, you know, uh, as, we, as we call them, choice sections when you like pick and decide, you know, okay, how I do, how I want to do this to, or bring some subject and go into some sub choices. And then as a uh, player, you are able to use the skill check or not and so on. So it really, 
it really depends on the context, uh, to be honest. Like as a designers, we are always trying to make sure that if you are uh, role playing as a given life path, let's say, or as a given build, so you're, let's say, a netrunner who was a nomad, um, that we are trying to provide you options, especially in places that feel that you should have this option. And that was always uh, one of the guidelines we had in The Witcher, which was like, if player feels that should be able to do something, they should be able to. So basically, like, if it feels, okay, yeah, I'm talking to the fellow nomad, and I'm a nomad, and we're talking about something that nomads should know about, that I can expect that as a nomad, I will have some special ways, you know, to talk to this person and maybe figure things out in a different way. So we are trying to always approach it like that. So to, to keep it like in the story, in the context, to keep the player, you know, immersed. Um, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Mm. Uh, great. Um, Ichisake has also asked, um, they, they love RPGs with serial killers and detective stuff. Do we have anything that's um, in, in Cyberpunk 2077 that's going to fall more into the kind of the idea of like um, a, a, a mission where it's like it's mostly like trying to figure something out or trying to follow the the path of somebody. So it's not it's not a very com combat heavy mission, but it's more of the um, you know kind of he brings up uh, the carnal sins in in The Witcher Three, which was amazing. Um, mm. Hmm. Do you, do we have anything that's a little bit more um, slower paced, interesting, and and more like noir kind of feeling? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. Um, because one of the important elements of cyberpunk is noir, and um, you know noir at the very beginning of its existence has been associated with detective stories, right? Like mm -hmm. I I love just Raymond Chandler and his books, and that was one of the like key elements, his stories were based on that, right? That there was always an investigation going on. And um, we have been like training as a studio how to do investigation stories well uh, throughout the whole Witcher 3. And the thing is that like that whole experience is still in the studio, right? Like those are still the same people that are making Cyberpunk that did the Witcher. So especially in the quest team, because we are the guys that, and girls, because we have a lot of females in our team, uh, we have designed those things together. Um, and uh, a lot of, and we had a lot of investigation stories. Geralt had the Witcher senses. Now in Cyberpunk, he has the Kiroshi optics, right? The eyes that allow that they have different features tied to them. One of the features is the scanner. And the scanner, one thing is it allows you to zoom in to different elements. But another thing is it allows you to uncover some things that are not obvious for a naked eye, I would say. And this is a core element of our, I would say, investigation loop. And there are stories in the game that are based around that. Exactly. The player is finding out, figuring out, okay, what happened and so on. And to, to be honest, as, as a studio, I think throughout the Witcher 3 production, we just started to just love, like we started to really love the investigations, investigation stories in general. And like, because it's just the, you know, the, the feeling of mystery and figuring things out and so on. It's, it's really cool. And um, in, the, in the demo that you're going to see soon, <laughs> um, there are also elements that, that we touch upon and, and we showed, you know, that there are things that you're, you can figure things out. You know, there are hints left on the way you know um so you you can you can find out about things earlier and then have an advantage about it and there are all, also like quests that are purely based on uh investigations 
and uh, of course, I don't want to disclose more <laughs> because don't want to spoil anything um, for, for people. <laughs> but but aren't, aren't you afraid that the players may not get what 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 do we have do, do they have to do and get frustrated? Yeah, that's a super. That's a really cool question. Uh, I mean, this is a one that was that was a fun I, one thing that I think Neon just touched upon just a moment ago when he asked me the question of uh, of the like one choice in the dialogues that allows you to go through really fast and and like clear and. Uh, this is this is a balance that we're always like struggling with. I would say as a designers, this is this is a challenge for us to mm-hmm. keep the story interesting enough, uh, not to make it obvious, but in the same time make it clear and understandable for players that have different backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. Because the players who will play Cyberpunk, those are people who just you know had one thousand hours in Witcher Three. And those are players who just basically play mostly, you know, Call of Duty and maybe PUBG and so on, games like that. Um, and we need to look at, at the players that have different expectations. And one of the things that we are doing always is making sure that I would say the core of the quest is like understandable enough for people who look for a lot of depth and who, who look for the people who want to go through the story fast. And it has a lot of depth for people who like dive into the story a lot. And mm-hmm. I think Carnal Sense is a great example from Witcher 3 because that was the quest where you had actually a really painful consequences if you didn't. I, I think this is one of the reasons why player lo- players love that kind of stuff. Um, so that's the challenge, that's this fine line that we are trying to walk in the, Believe me, like that's not easy to do. We are failing miserably all the time. Uh, <laughs> but is this is this tied to the difficulty of the game, or regardless of the difficulty of the game, the difficulty of the quest is going to be the same? That's regardless of the difficulty, because the, mm-hmm. the that's it's like it's very very keen and, and connected to like I would say intellectual capabilities of the player. And it's it's connected also to sometimes to simply knowledge of the player or his you know concentration skills and so on. I mean, there are like like our players are so so varied that it's impossible to say if you know the, if if the story is like very complex, uh, if they will be able simply to get it, you know. Um, and we just need to make sure that like that the i would say entertainment that we provide is 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 great for everybody but then the people who look for um depth who look for interesting things who look for twists uh that they also have it there right um and it's yeah it's this 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 fine line uh, that is a di- always difficult to walk ah so, be- so be- be- before we continue just just before we continue i wanted to say thanks to lit for a 10 euro donation and thank you it's uh, it's good to have you here Sorry. Perfect. Uh, a, this quick follow up to the, a quick follow up to the, the question, because this is this is something that it, it's kind of a small thing. But it, for a lot of us who are really fans of the genre, we really, really enjoy this. Um, and, and that is uh, so the, the noir kind of feel that we get from it. Um, uh, what what other kind of noir things do you guys have in the game? And do you have my favorite, which is so very rare these days, where it's like, a little bit of self-narration or like you kind of get that feeling of like self-narration and I was thinking it's it's a, it's what, what a noir film thing it, so it's like when, when you know somebody walks in when you're watching a movie with it typically how it plays out is like they walk in 
they start doing the scene, but then at some point they turn and they look at the camera and they, they kind of break the fourth wall and they kind of talk to the <laughs> to the camera. I was like, you know what would be cool is if there was a crazy person, like a serial killer, that hopped on like a, a, a PA system and started narrating V <laughs> while V was trying to solve the crime. It's like, ah, and then, and then the mercenary walked into the bathroom and they looked around and clearly there wasn't anything there or was there. This is material for a mod. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, other than other than that kind of a joking um, kind of idea, do you what like what were some of the concepts and some of the the favorite stuff that you guys used to help kind of build the noir feel? Because again, this is something that's pretty rare. In it's not very common in entertainment, even though it's a it's a really good and focal kind of point of, of really good narratives that have helped build the entertainment that we have today. Because these were mm. really, really popular back in the 30s and 40s, and, and we get mm. very, very few of them today. Well, yeah. yeah, I believe that mostly because entertainment uh, went to a point where everything needs to be super clear and super easy and so so easy to digest, Think of it, that, that, that the viewer doesn't have to think. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a, it's a really cool and really complex topic, I think. Because um, uh, one thing is, like, I um, if I will be if I will start giving examples, I would have to give away basically what we are precisely <laughs> using, and this is a spoiler. Um, <laughs> I cannot do it. Uh, so not so trying not to do that. I mean, one thing that I can say is, uh, like, we are fans. We are fans of noir a lot, and uh, I think we have investigated the genre a lot, and. Um, I think like we are believers and, and I hear me mean like myself and, and like people who are leading the quest team, the story team, uh, the open world team. So people who are building narration in our, in our games, we are believers of uh, making sure that uh, all the, all the uh, components that we are taking from uh, Noir, uh, those are used well. But it does not mean, because sometimes people ask me, because it's a connected topic of a cliche, right? Like, people have a tr- trouble sometimes uh, distinguishing between cliche and trope. Um, mm-hmm. And we are really a fans of using a trope well. And um, let's say, it's, and the tropes are like, like the typical elements of noir. And I would say the typical element of noir, and that won't be surprising, I say, I think if I would say is, um, there, there are things, uh, there are things, for instance, as a, as, um, mm, oh God, I'm just, I just lost word literally, literally right now. Um, uh, oh, sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a part when uh, a mysterious figure appears. And that mysterious figure has a task uh, for a main character, and those are that's the way how a lot of books from Raymond Chandler starts. And that mysterious figure is very often a female, and that female very often will betray uh, the main character. And that's this is like I would say a trope um, that has been repeating, has been reoccurring in noir throughout like like six years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- this is a way how, like, we are believers of using a trope, but using it well. So it's not, it, it does not mean that we won't ever use it. It will mean that we'll look for a twist, that we'll look for something to, like, put the player on the field that player feels that uh, he or she knows. And then they, when they will feel, like, I would say comfortable, then we'll twist it in a way they would not expect. 
um, to surprise them. And, and that's the way how we always like take the tropes from, from noir and try to use them in, a, I would say, intelli- in, intelligent way. Um, yeah, and I, I think this is as general as I can get, mm-hmm. as I can go without spoiling little, little or name, uh, main story or side quest. So uh, I shouldn't do it. Okay, okay. We have we have a couple of more questions from uh, from the community. This one is actually from the uh, from my Discord, and also thank you, thank you, Ali, for putting them like this. Now the question is, how is loot affiliated to a quest? Are there certain tasks that we need to complete during a mission to unlock uh, certain unique loot items, or is the loot granted when a quest is completed? Oh, okay. So um, for us, it's, it's almost with everything, the loot is actually um, connected in the game with the story. Mm-hmm. And it's always somehow in somewhat tied up uh, to what player is experiencing at that given time. So uh, to give you an example, like as you are going through the old foods factory that, uh, you know, used, used to be producing that in vitro meat uh, that we have seen in the, uh, in the first demo, uh, and you're going through that, and that factory is owned by Maelstromers, right? So uh, would you connect? Oh, and one uh, key element to that, sorry, we know from the story that they have been stealing and robbing the convoys with military equipment, right? So that, as a designers, get, that gives us a lot of ammunition, you know, how to build a cool loot around it. And I don't want to obviously spoil again uh, what you could expect there, but you can imagine and your imagination can, can, can show you, okay, yeah, so this is a place where they've been producing like this artificial meat and this is a place owned by Maelstrom and they've been st- stealing military equipment. So there's probably loot tied up to those three elements that, you know, come together in this quest. Mm-hmm. So this is a way how we build it, you know. So as you're exploring that given location as a player, you will be... Um, finding out things that are connected to the story of that given location, you know, uh, because we want the world to speak to the player. It's not only, you know, the words, it's not only the way um, how the narration is done in, in, in throughout the scenes, but it's also narration through items and through things that you find. And uh, one, of, one of the wonderful examples that I love here is, uh, is Dark Souls games. Uh, they do the almost the whole narration almost through items. You figure out what has happened in a given location, following up, you know, looking at the items, you know, of of different um, of uh, things that has have have happened on that location that you're. Uh, exploring at that given time and they do their uh, narration almost throughout that um that is of course a bit different in sekiro but uh i, I, I also I did that in fallout 76 and people weren't very happy about it yeah, well because they did it only through that so <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i think it's a matter of you know how you utilize that tool that narrative tool that you have um there and uh, it, it's good that you that uh, that, that Matt Quinn touched that because uh, another thing is of course you know um, the elements that we did in The Witcher, which is like the moments when simply the certain loot is given to the player, right? So you are doing something very specific to get a very specific specific thing. Like um, for instance, that is uh, true for for the flathead. Uh, you have a whole quest almost to uh, to go through the all foods, you know, to do your deal with with maelstromers uh to find out okay and to obtain that special uh thing and and that happens in the game um at least few times 
Mm-hmm. When that special loot uh, or the, when that special equipment is connected to the story that they're experiencing at the given time, so I would say it's a mix, right? It, it's it's a mix of of everything, mm. of, of of those of all those methods that I that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And now that you guys have that fluid class system, how much more of a time investment does it take to kind of build those quests around them to kind of be able to manifest all those different choices? How much more of a time investment is needed? to make those quests, you know, meaningful for each of those different fluid class options. Dear Lord, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you have no idea how complex it is. Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, Geralt was a dude with a sword. That was so much simpler. simpler. No, because uh, seriously, like right now, all those play style sequences, or this is how we call them, they are like just I, I'm wetting my bed because of it. Like, <laughs> like, like seriously, because the thing is that you can do stuff in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And of course, like we don't want to limit the players, you know. So we don't want to make the player feel that they're limited, like in artificial ways. Um, so we are trying to stay, like I would say, faithful to one of the key elements of cyberpunk for us, which is the uh, freedom. And the freedom is in the story, and the freedom is also in the uh, in the gameplay. And that freedom has to be there. And you as a player, when you are just going, you know, from point to point and, you know, like trying to get to the specific, like I would say, location to find somebody or find information or obtain something or like perform some specific task, um, as it is, let's say, in the in the um, in this uh, new gameplay uh, gameplay demo, um, the th- thing is that. Um, for for us, it's important to make sure that players can do that. But it's yeah, it's 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 insane. Like I think that we we were we were fucking crazy. Like when we come up with this, and we we made it even more complicated. In time. Like, That's incredible. We so wanted, game delayed. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope it won't be delayed. No, I, I'm I mean I'm pretty confident it won't be. Um, but you know. Well, uh, yes, yes, Pavel. I remember an interview you did some years ago where you said very confident that uh, yes, The Witcher will be rele- released in 2014. What's <laughs> 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 that? Was his twin so, brother? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can be confident, but I can still be wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we will think that you may may be wrong. That doesn't depend on you anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but I mean, I think we have figured it out. Um, uh, we have figured it out because that was one of the hardest and most complex, and I think the longest R and D uh, periods that we had. You know, when we've been figuring out, okay, what is the good feeling of being a natural, good feeling of solo, good feeling of fast solo, mm-hmm. good feeling of a of techie and utilizing flathead to go through this quest and still feel really cool as that, let, let's say, a, a netrunner who has some of the flathead abilities and is a nomad, let's say. And how is it, you know, good enough and, and feels enough? And this is this is something that we are, you know, always pushing, you know, from, from one side to another, like trying to strike this balance, to give the player enough freedom, but in the same time not to kill the, the game um, <laughs> with, with complexity. And... Uh, I think we get it, but you know it 
tends to be complex. It, it really, it really is. And right now, at the stage that we are right now, we are making sure that the quests are polished. We are making sure that the all paths are covered. And you know, when when our QA um, and they are wonderful uh, because they they can come up with such a weird shit. Like seriously. <laughs> 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 And I'm like, yeah, of course, like we didn't think about it. That's obvious and we have to cover this. Um, so that happens fairly often. And it's like we can like do it to best of our abilities. But there are moments when we're like, shit, I mean, we need to introduce some other way to secure that or like make sure that it works. Um, and I think we have it covered, but I'm probably wrong. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's like um, it, it's like ongoing it's very it's very very ongoing it's very complex mm-hmm. uh, i think and it's something that is super fucking exciting in the same time uh yeah. because we have never because we have never did that before um and that was that was something that i feel was a bit of a downside of the witcher 3 uh, and people were pointing it out to us that they i would say the gameplay bits were, were like fairly simplistic and even though we like worked tirelessly at that time to really make it happen it was as much as we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now we're so much better uh, in that. Like we put like a lot of effort, like we did like conscious effort. Mm-hmm. We want to update, upgrade that part of the game a lot to just make it feel better. And, um, and frankly, mm-hmm. I feel we did that. Uh, my only fear is, uh, is if, the, if the players will feel enough freedom. If, if that's, if, if this is the, if like, to just make sure that their fantasy of being like free, of being the way they want it to be, is really satisfied, you know. Um, and, and this this is something that we put a lot of effort into to just make sure it feels cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Without going into detail, that's much. That's as much as I can can tell. And um, one thing uh, maybe to sum this up is I think it was really right choice uh, to go that path. Because it just taught us so much. It just taught us so much how to do good gameplay. I, I, just, I just hope for it. I just hope we are there because it, it feels good already. And I hope that players will appreciate it. And I hope they will like it, basically. That's, that's yeah. The goal. We will yeah. push it's like really funny because, because in the late 90s, there was this trend where Pen and papers wanted to have the simplicity of video games. And now we're reaching a point where video games want to have the complexity of pen and paper games. And I find mm. it very hmm. funny. Okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting point, yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to the, to the subject of the story, I have a, a very absurd question that, that, is, not going, really that cool. is not going to be answered, uh, probably. But, well, considering <laughs> the... Uh, pessimistic nature of the cyberpunk universe how the fuck are you going to finish the story that we don't want to throw our computer off the window <laughs> probably everybody will just throw it <laughs> holy shit it was expensive i'm going to ha- hate all of you if i have to do that i just uh, yeah I, I think that's the plan like we'll just uh, you know the the um hardware industry will just have this huge boom because yeah. all the- <laughs> you guys are in cahoots with them aren't you before corporations at their best. Before we continue, it has a it had it had a serious a serious part because obviously this is a very pessimistic world. 
where you try to fight mega corporations who think that is impossible. You try to survive and do more or less the good you can, which is impossible. You try to trust people, which is impossible. So how are you going to build a story that we don't want to kill ourselves? Well, I mean, without because I don't want to like I would say like spoil the, the main thought because I, I really want to answer this for the players for themselves. But um, uh, like this is a really cool question and this is something we've been discussing a lot. Um, players feel them, and I want like the players to answer it for themselves. How uh, the game gives a lot of different answers for that, and sort of like. The ways how player will define self, uh, the play, the ways player will define themselves, is really up to them, and that's why, that, that's why I feel that the freedom, which may maybe sound weird, but but the freedom sounds in a, uh, feels like and, and matches in a fantastic way with cyberpunk, mm-hmm. because it's a, because the, basically cyberpunk is about not being free. And when the game is about mm-hmm. freedom and defining yourself and finding that freedom in many different levels, and it's it's really up to you, you know, how do you do it? Like, we as creators, we will leave you a lot of different options to do that, and you have to decide, like, how I want to, how I see myself, like, what's the way I want to do it? And, uh, like, do I do it through the my relationships with characters or the way you know or maybe you know the ways with corporations or the ways how i um let's say have without spoiling stuff just how i um yeah how how i have lived in night city you know what is my story who i have met what i have said what i have done um so sort of close to how the life is really and um yeah, I mean, I feel that in life we can be more and or less free. I think we really are never really free. Uh, always oppressed in some way, um, just depending on the definition of the oppression we are using. Um, and I think that players will, will have to answer it for themselves. I, I, the, the game provides like lots of different ways to answer that question. <laughs> so I it's it's funny because I, I I'd like to, I'd like to make a comment on this. Uh, this is a universe about not being free, about not being free, but about being sold that you are. Because mm-hmm. this this in cyberpunk is the American dream. Exactly. So uh, it's like it's like contradictory. It is, and it's a, that's why it's like a, it's it's very surprising how well it fits. Um, uh, the the fact that the game is really about like looking for the for the freedom in a very broad meaning I would say and, and yeah I, I don't want to specify <laughs> the meaning I mean because you know uh, not to spoil stuff but um, that's the thing it, it just it just ties up very nicely and the freedom in gameplay that you have and the freedom in quests and choices and your paths that you're picking like what I do what I say who I am how I look. Uh, just everything, you know, who I love, who I made love to, you know, what I said to the given people, what gear I use, what cyberware I use, maybe the cyberware I don't use, maybe what is my relationship with, with, you know, what I did with that, you know, how did I save myself, you know, that's the, mm. if um, you can actually. Mm. We, we do have a question from all this Jose while, All this Pérez. while Johnny Silverhand says stupid things in the background. Please go on. 
Uh, we do have a question <laughs> from Jose Perez, and thank you for a $2 donation. Was Jackie's death just one possible quest ending? Oh, guys, you know that I can't spoil it. <laughs> you just know. You just know asking these questions that I can't spoil it. <laughs> I mean, I as much as I appreciate mm. uh, the question, I really shouldn't tell you. Um, mm. Because I, I will just damage your experience. So uh, mm -hmm. I'll just, I just leave it like that. Like, we did it very intentionally. This is what I can tell you. Mm. Okay. Very Jumping from... We have a Jumping from that, I have, I think I have a question which doesn't, <laughs> which is not gonna get a no. Um, does weather and time of the day affect main side quests in the game? Like, which day it is? Is it night? Is it morning? Is it evening? Does that actually affect, like, some of the quests we do? And it is, like, if we tackle a quest, for example, during one part of the day or during the night, is it going to be different? Like, for example, during the night, let's say one one object or one building has less guards or something like that. Is that going to be implemented or? Mm -hmm. So uh, it actually it actually has meaning in a few different layers. Uh, and as always, I go into my twenty minute explanation now. But basically, uh, please do. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so it, it works in a few different layers. So the, I think the first one, which is the most obvious one, is a day-night cycle. Um, and that is applied to multiple things. Um, the encounters that player is going to experience in the game, they actually differ uh, from the time of the day when player is going to uh, uh, go. Now, it is always, as, as for us, tied up to the story. So there are places that do not make sense if they differ depending on the different type of day because they basically need to have guards, let's say, at the given time always. Mm -hmm. But for instance, there are scenarios that it makes sense uh, because of the story. And um, those are the moments when that actually differs. And this is the second layer, so the story layer. There are moments when player is supposed to perform a specific thing, and your companions, let's say, they will be like, okay, V, but you know, like maybe we should rethink it. Like I know for a fact that we could do it in a different way, maybe in a different time, you know. Uh what what what's your take? Like, uh, are we going for this or for that? And you know, as a player, you can of course do whatever you want. And we are, do our best to like provide that options because players sometimes are like, yeah, I've, of course, I of course want to have more challenge. I of course want to have more opponents, but because that mostly means more more loot. Uh, so why not? Why not try it? Um, but it may have some consequences. So that's the thing. It, it's like the story layer like introduces that elements that, okay, like maybe we should wait for a different opportunity to tackle that uh, given problem. So that is the time of day layer now then there is the weather so uh the weather in the game is like <laughs> appears in a full spectrum i would say and uh this is something that we had done fairly well i feel um in uh, witcher 3 and now here in cyberpunk it, it also has this i would say cyberpunk layer to it you know like that that rainy night feels like a cyberpunk rainy night um and that's important for us and that um, i would say that that like shiny you know uh, sunny california california day looks like a day in california and that's uh, those are the elements they are basically showing all the locations everything that player is experiencing in a different 
I would say light in different meaning. Um, and uh, I was I was mentioning that and explaining that multiple times during like uh, Witcher Three uh, that we use the weather as a storytelling tool. Mm. So when we want to introduce the player in the correct mood uh, during the quest, we will use the weather to as one of the elements. So we will use the music, we'll use the weather, we will use time of the day to just make sure that when you're doing that, you feel like you feel everything, you know, connected to that. Like, for instance, people were asking me why always when Baron is carrying Botchling um, to the doorstep uh, in his manner, why, why there is always raining and, and there is always uh, almost, almost a thunderstorm. Well, the reason is because I did it like that. <laughs> like, I made sure that... Every time when you always go there, no matter what weather was before, I will always slowly transition to the fact that weather gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually at the moment that I want, it will, there will be thunderstorms, there's going to rain because I wanted the player to feel it. And I just, you know, um, I, I think in one of the interviews, like somebody asked me, um, like this is one of the ways how we go for emotions, right? I just want to get the player and make sure that everybody will be crying. Like everybody will be crying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Does that include acid rain? <laughs> you're going to be crying because you're melting? <laughs> is weather more likely in specific districts, like say Pacifica, does it rain more there or is it just consistent across the entire map? Oh, this is something that we are still uh, like tweaking uh, okay. because the weather system is tightly, very tightly connected with a whole, like, uh, I would say, light and vision for, for the lightning in a, uh, uh, in a whole, like, district in the game, pretty much. And mm -hmm. this is something that's normally, like, in the games being wrapped up almost till the very end. This is something that's tweaked very, very, very long, like, a lot of time, because... Uh, Making sure that all the materials, so all the plastics, all the metals, the water, you know, like right. the your human eyes, the skin, uh, mm -hmm. they look well in different light is a fucking terrible task. You guys can't imagine how hard it is to make, like, let's say, wool look as good as plastic, as good as metal, and mm -hmm. have that materials on the character, and in the same time make their eyes look natural and make their skin look natural. Like they look like they were like doing 12 uh, kilometers marathon just before the scene because they're all sweating uh, <laughs> when their materials look well. You know what I mean? Like those, yeah. that kind of, or they look they're made of plastic or it looks like their equipment is made out of like some cheap crap um, while it's not. So making sure that all the materials look well is very tightly connected with the correct light. And tweaking that is something that is always just happening very closely to almost the end of the game. So um, the weather mm -hmm. is very closely connected and tied up to the light, uh, the way how the lightning looks. And we are like constantly updating it. I mean, in the last screenshots, you could see how it, what is our vision, I would say, how it currently looks in Pacifica. Um, right. And, you know, we can't promise it will be looking like that, right? Because it's work in progress as always mm -hmm. with us. Uh, so we will be like updating it constantly to just make sure that it looks well, it runs well, but it will be changing till the, till the very last moment. So right now it's very hard for me to say exactly right. um, whether we'll, we'll tie up to it. It may, but it may not. So uh, we, we'll see as we, as we wrap up everything. Mm -hmm. And that extends to the Badlands? Are there weather systems in the, in the Nomads areas? Oh, yes, obviously. Oh, okay. Obviously, like the Badlands area around Night City, it has its own, it has its own feel, it has its own lighting, its own, like I would say, the weather setup. 
Um, mm -hmm. And you, you can feel something more, I would say, specific uh, that could happen in the Badlands without spoiling anything. But um, that's definitely tied uh, to that. Uh, but as I said, like we will, uh, this is something that we're still iterating. It needs more work, definitely. Mm, sure. Nice. Nice. Uh, I have uh, I have another question that is tied with. Uh, I believe that uh, you said that it was a technical problem. No, it was tied to the story that uh, we, we only had one apartment. So my question on that, it seemed, it seemed in the previous idea we we were able to escalate in the social ladder, which I always thought wasn't very cyberpunk. But will we be able to do so, like have some success in life or go, we're going to be street rats all the game? Mm, uh, okay, so it is tightly connected to the story and it's tightly connected to the player's choices and the way, what are you going to do? The thing is that this is still a cyberpunk game. So this element that you just mentioned, being a rat, is pretty much always like apparent, visible, and you can feel it. Um, but some form of climbing up the, this ladder will be visible for the players. Because player will become more wealthy as they are doing, you know, various tasks in the city, as they are doing, you know, as they are like, let's say, getting more and more cars and bicycles for their garage, you know, and so on. So, and also relationships that you have, you know. Um, so it, as you're developing, as you're getting, you know, more connections, I would say, it will have some impact on you, good and bad. Uh, but this, like, I would say cyberpunk feel of being down to the ground is always going to be visible there. Uh, but it's tightly connected to the player choices. Like, I, I can say that there are, I, I would say, ways to play the game to be, um, if players feel like that, to be, to be wealthy. Hmm. Oh. Uh. Siding with my corporation, <laughs> siding with my mafia. <laughs> okay, that was too specific. was a joke. <laughs> uh, it, no, it's just a being a pizza guy. Uh, if you guys read the uh, Diamond Age, uh, <laughs> the book, um, uh, it's uh, yeah, being a pizza delivery guy is a very, uh, it's a very very dangerous job. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have one more question. Uh, does and if yes, how does the verticality of the map affect mission design? Dear Lord. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> That's, a good answer. <laughs> That's the introduction. Now now twenty mm -hmm. minutes explanation. Please. <laughs> I thought that that would be enough. Okay. <laughs> That's an answer. <laughs> hey, I, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> if That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> um. Uh, no, I mean, obviously, like, that's very tightly connected to actually the um, topic of the playstyles uh, that we had just before. Um, because the verticality of the, of the world and of the quests themselves and the maps and the locations that players are visit, uh, visiting is very tightly connected um, to the, to the playstyles. Player is going to be able to do missions in different ways. And uh, because of the fact that we have like different ways to go through the locations, that also applies the fact that you can basically just go to the different floor of the building and use that different floor to reach some place that you are trying to reach. Um, and we are using this in a multiple places. 
there are places when, when verticality does not play a major role, and there are some quests when it's actually a key element. So it's all connected to the story, basically. It, it all depends of what story are we are telling. Like, if you have um, some quest in, let's say, a mega building, right, something very iconic for cyberpunk, um, we know that, that V has her place in, in the mega building, as we have shown in the first uh, demo. Um, as, as if we are doing things like that, like I, I think that the um, verticality of the map there is very like apparent, it's very visible and very clear. Uh, but there are, you know, there are just scenarios when you're going, you know, to let's say some, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, without spoiling anything, locations that are just flat because of the reasons. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and verticality does not play that much overall. So it's it's all connected to the to the story, to the atmosphere, to the to that given element that we are uh, talking about. Now, it of course you know because of the game as a shooter, it of course it already has rather a, a shooting a core shooting mechanics. Uh, it of course makes quest design way more complex because you can just go like up and down various buildings, you know, and approach things from different sides. And we are using this in our advantage, and it's. Uh, and it's actually it's actually really cool uh, to to see you know how our uh, QA is is figuring out ways okay how to go through that given place you know in the different ways and they keep sending bugs that you know you can go through another way that we didn't thought about so uh, it's a it's a really it's it's a really cool feel because you can see that yeah it's actually working because it's it's, it's coming together and you can see okay yeah there is more ways to go through it and it actually works it works better than we would like it to so, <laughs> so uh, can yeah, we climb and, buildings using the mantis blades? Uh, sorry once again, can you climb the buildings? Climb buildings using the mantis blades. In the, we, in saw the in, we saw in the gameplay that you can you can hang on the wall using the mantis blades, but can we climb buildings? You can hover. Sorry, you can you can like climb um, climb buildings. I, I hear you. We can hook to the buildings, but we yes. uh, but we do not use that to to climb. No. <laughs> I was about I was about to go. No, forget it. Gravity always kills me in this. <laughs> the the uh, the uh, skyscraper climbing uh, mechanic is in a different uh, castle. There, uh, Mad Queen. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't hear what you said. Can you please repeat? I, I said the 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 skyscraper building mechanic is in a different castle. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, kill myself the ways I want. <laughs> quick, quick question uh, from and Andrew Andre Velasquez. He's asking, how many playthroughs would you recommend to oh. to get the full experience of the game? So until you die, it's not an appropriate. One hundred and fifty. <laughs> if I will say it, probably you guys will say that this is the amount of endings, right? If I will say yes. <laughs> <laughs> because of that, I can say. But uh, hmm. how many? Hmm. You like <laughs> at least number between like one and and uh, infinite. <laughs> at least <laughs> no, at least that's few. equivalent I, to what until you die. <laughs> yeah, no, I would say at least few uh, because uh, you like the significant differences are the differences that are come from different builds and different life paths. So mm -hmm. at least yeah. that. 
But if you combine that with different choices, then it's even more. So it's like, if you would do it in an economic way, I would say, so you try to do every play style, every playthrough with a different play style, with different build, different life path, and you precisely do different choices, then it will allow you to go down to few play styles. But you would have to be very, uh, I would say, organized, like mm -hmm. keep the Excel sheet with all the choices and make sure that you click the same. <laughs> then I think it would go make you allow you to make down to few. But it's it's hard for me to even say exactly um, because there's mm -hmm. crazy shit in this game. Like I'm not even sure. Like uh, like we are literally using in the game. We are using programs that are helping us count the amount of paths in the game. To allow to help QA pick choices, it's unmanageable uh, to do. Mm -hmm. Just, do your enemies yeah. have like a large amount of abilities that they're going to be using against you? Are they going to be using their, you know, cybernetics and stuff like that? It's like each of them going to be kind of unique in that sense. So enemies, enemies are um, divided like the the. the yeah, there's like I, uh, I I I don't think I even remember the number, but there's plenty of different like I would say archetypes of enemies and those enemies they have their abilities based on the cyberware they're using and they can do things that we can do uh, in most cases they're specialized in some ways mm -hmm. um, so you know like there is there are like I would say guys that utilize mantis blades right or guys that utilize the close combat and Sandivistan or right. guys that utilize Kerenzikov or guys that try to hack you or guys that oh, so use barriers. We have some Devistan in the game. Oh, we do? I, I don't know, I just demo. mentioned it. No, it was a Kerenzikov. No, but you can see it referenced. Someone's speaking about it in the background. That doesn't mean that we can use it. <laughs> oh. uh, we actually have both. So we have some Devistan and uh, Kerenzikov. Kerenzikov, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tan, tan, Please come on, I just wanted to know that. <laughs> This, uh, this is what our narrator, Boris, says in the first demo, uh, if, you will, uh, if you will listen to him, I think. He, he mentions clearly Karenzikov, uh, as Matt Queen said, and then uh, in our new Gamescom demo, we are showing enemies using uh, Sandevistan. Well, there wasn't a cyber psycho attack when there was a woman on the street on the, on the first demo that just saw yeah. that. The, po yeah. police office, the police investigate, investigating a, a cyber psycho attack, and they're, they're explaining, oh, the guy is using Sandevistan with yeah. Very well spotted. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many times I watched it. <laughs> I, you guys are crazy with the, your knowledge. Like, I should wear, carry sandals after you with the knowledge you have about this game. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Some tough questions. <laughs> hey, so we lost Pavel. <laughs> So do uh, we do we have a do we have a uh, so we have a couple of of uh, keys to give away courtesy of um, Talsorian. So have we come up with a surefire way that we're going to try and give some of these keys away? Well, first of all, there's uh, 300 people watching and only and only 172 likes. Click that like button with all your might. You need to show <laughs> YouTube who's the boss here. Squish it. What was the word? Squish. 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 Squish or squash? Squish. 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 Uh, something like? in between, right? <laughs> can, can, someone, can someone explain Pavel the joke, please? Who remembers it? Oh. 
Uh, I will as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as, as, as soon as the fire department stops uh, screeching by my my window here. Um, basically, it, you know how you you have a crush on someone. Well, this is this is a little bit li- little bit less than a, than a crush. It's just called a squish, and and it, it oh, shows, and it's mutual. It's a way of showing yeah, it's a, it's a mutual way of showing um, generalized like love and support. Oh, okay then. So I, I probably can say that I have a squish on you guys on you all. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> uh, I actually like stalk you and listen to your podcast. <laughs> I, I was sometimes. I, I think remember, we saw you in the chat last week or the week before. I, I tried yeah. not to be annoying and I tried not to. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like some conversations. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that that Sepsirian was explaining is that all Talsurian games gave us three keys to have Cyberpunk Red Star the kit for free, and we are deciding how are we going to give them away. Well, you guys have well, an idea, right? Yes, I believe that uh, Neon was going to write to to keep yeah, the, yeah. the best ab- questions ab- about that. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah. I should have reminded you before, right? <laughs> I don't think that's the best way to do it anyways. <laughs> I know it was my suggestion, but... Yes, it was. We, have, we we should figure something out that's better. If you guys have any suggestions, drop it in the chat on how we should give <laughs> these away. Okay, because if we don't find anyone any any suggestion, you know what's going to happen, that I'm going to start to make weird questions about the law, and who knows the answer is going to get the key. Weird category. I was just waiting hour and a half for it. <laughs> Roulette. This guy says he's squish and immediately says I stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Pavel makes a quest for his community called Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this reminds me of a question. Are we going a very stupid one? Are we going are we going to be able to name or guns, because I want to have a gun that is called the Breathtaker. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so right now I don't know anything about it being in our plans. So let's leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Then let's, I'm going to try this one. Um, you're probably going to give the same answer that we got last time we asked, but mm-hmm. we, 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 we <laughs> want to reinforce this because there's a lot of... There's a lot of misinformation out there, and we don't want to. Um, we want to try and get as much of, of a solid uh, track on this stuff as possible. Um, modding is something that you guys are are open to and and potentially looking forward to. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Where where uh, I mean, we would like we would really want to do it. Um, the thing is that this is something later on our roadmap, mm-hmm. and that's as much as I can tell you. Like, uh, uh, I, I think this game is a great, great, like I would say, sandbox uh, for the players uh, to play with. Um, it's really, really powerful and cool, and uh, but they are complex. Um, like, there is some deal of work we would have to do to make it. Uh, work and that is not it's not simple basically this is what I'm saying it's it's not simple and uh, and of course games come games come first uh, so we have to uh, we have to focus on the game first and then 
um, see where we are. We would really, we would like to do that. And uh, yeah, that's still in the plan. Yeah, I'm just holding my thumbs. Uh, we, we can't promise anything if it won't happen um, because like we simply don't know at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, that does alleviate some, some, uh, some, a lot of questions that we get constantly is like, ah, oh, you know, one way or the other. So, okay. Um, Besides, with that question, I wanted to just do one thing. I wanted to, uh, to, to just make a shout out to our modding community because uh, I fucking love what the guys were doing with Geralt. I mean, seriously, with Witcher 3. With, like, the naked mod is the best, of course. But the, but, but the others mods for the Witcher 3, you know, the, the one, uh, the, the others that people, people built, uh, like, literally the tools that they made for themselves. Like, that just shows, like, how talented and how amazing they are. Like, I just fucking love our models. Like in the in the stu- in the studio in the in my team, I hired few models. Actually, half of my team is past models, and some of them were actually pretty well-known models. Um, like the guy who did, let's say, uh, where he recreated Witcher Three prologue in the uh, Witcher One prologue in Witcher Three. Yeah, he's uh, he's working. He's sitting uh, close to me, and we got the guy because he was in, he, he's just. And there are others uh, that we have people who build insane mods for this game mm-hmm. uh, because they show, you know, that it matters for them, that they were dedicated enough uh, to put the time in. Uh, they have shown, like, that it mattered for them. Mm. And I just, yeah, I just love it. And normally those are people who are, like, willing to go, like, I would say, extra mile. They do not get, I would say, distracted or demotivated on the way. And, and the fact that they can, they are able to deliver such an awesome stuff, it just makes, my, it makes, it like blows off my fucking head. Like seriously, some of the things that I saw is like I'm just sitting with my jaw dropping. Like seriously. So um, yeah, it's just the community, the modern community is insane. Jesus, <laughs> uh, you know, guys, that my window. <laughs> oh, what? And it's constantly asking me to restart itself. It was like three <laughs> times already during this. So, uh, uh, the, I wanted to ask a question that's been asked in the comments several times. So several users are asking me for a date. So I wanted to ask to answer April 16th, 2020. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's the, uh, that, that's, that's the date. That's the date. I have a question. What uh, kind of character are you going to be playing? Just out of curiosity, do you have an idea? Oh yeah, of course. So, do you guys remember the um, uh, our Valentine's Day um, uh, picture? Like art? Cupid, a Cupid, Chrome it's Cupid. The little Cupid. Uh-huh. That, that so I'm the Cupid. Hit. So I'm the Cupid. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be basically the guy that looks the most ridiculous in the all in all the scenes. And when, you know, when Dax and Jackie, when they talk to me all mm-hmm. smirky, and, and I will be there completely pink with Mohawk and half naked, um, just, you know, uh, waving my slung around. <laughs> chrome skin too? Are you yeah, yeah. chrome skin too? Um, well, uh, if, if only I'd be able to get uh, it at that time in the game. <laughs> I, I will do everything to be as ridiculous as I can in the game. That's, that's my build. That's the way I'm, I'm like, when I was playing, I remember uh, Fable 3, I played 
uh, female because I mostly always play females. Uh, I don't know why I'm this kind of guy, but I, I played as a female and I was playing in a gown. Mm -hmm. So I had ball gown with like this huge hammer and the only thing I was doing and changing the whole game I was just changing colors of this gown so when I was finding a new dye I was changing the the, the, the color of the of the gown so yeah <laughs> that's, is, uh, is, that's my this is pretty normal I, this is very normal behavior Pavel this, this is very very common cool cool. <laughs> cool that's nice to know that I'm just a, a default uh, in our community <laughs> <laughs> Um, th there is one final question. More questions. There is actually one final from have another one. my, we have, my we side. We have more questions from the community because if I go, the answer is going. Yeah, to, well, I cannot talk about that. I, I do, I Guys, do. My, my jaw literally hurts from smiling and talking. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, there is actually one last question from at least my side of the community, and it's I, I don't know how he noticed this, but. Uh, this is the question. During the gameplay footages, it looks like several cars and bikes had a top speed of 88 miles per, per hour, kilometers per hour. Can we go faster than that, or is the speed locked for frame reasons? Oh, that's a cool question. I mean, <clears throat> so um, different cars and different bicycles that you have in the game, they have different stats. And those stats um, or sort of similar to what you normally would expect from the car. So uh, they, of course, the speed is the obvious one, but they uh, are differ in terms of, you know, how well they are attached to the street, you know, how fast they can turn, mm -hmm. what type of tires they have, and so on. So that's all parametrized. So different cars actually feel differently uh, when you're driving. Like, for instance, bicycle, motorcycle definitely feels different. So... Um, that's one thing. And the speed is tied up actually to the type of the car, not to the frame rate or not to the, uh, yeah, not to the frame rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so basically, like, as you are getting better and better vehicles, you will be getting able to go faster. Of course, you know, there are limitations of the tech, right? Because there's just, um, you know, like, there is a limitation of a, a hard drive turning and, and being able to load data. Uh, so we need to make sure that it's be that it's uh, capable to stream in, uh, because you know driving through the city that is empty because it didn't load yet um, is not fun. <laughs> so so that is um, that is absolutely absolutely something that we have to prevent from happening. Um, so if you are driving like as fast as possible with the best car, that's gonna be some limitations, especially in the weekend machines for sure. Uh, and and this is something that we are definitely working on because um, because as as you guys probably know the optimization is something that's being done in like last year i would say maybe something a bit shorter uh, when it comes to the projects that are smaller but our project is insane so we started long time ago uh, optimization uh, but you have to uh, like optimize it really well and thing is that what the cap is gonna be exactly it is the dependent really of how well we can optimize it so how much we can squeeze out of a different gear uh, that players are gonna have. So that's always the, like, like that. So first is basically the your, your speed of your vehicle. And then when it's the fastest one that you can have, then the question is really about your uh, gear that you are playing on, what it can actually stream in well, uh, so that we are comfortable with the game looking well all the time with you driving. Is there, uh, I is think there, that's the answer. Is there a particular place that we can go in the map, say like a, 
um, say like an airport or a very 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 long flat road that we can we can test speeds and and various things that aren't uh, aren't too overly littered with um, with with things and stuff. Uh, I think yeah, I think I can I can I can fairly confident say so. I mean, especially the uh, roads on uh, no, uh, Badlands are fairly. Uh, like fairly empty, I would say, for that kind of purpose, because there's shit ton of decorations, of course, but for for checking the speed, so for having like a fairly straight line, you know, of going as fast as possible, uh, yeah, I, I think easily players will find spaces like that in the city as well. But city is way more cramped um, and way way more dense, so it will be a bit harder there, I think. But uh, but I would say most definitely. Um, other thing is that you know we are still working on the on the game and pretty much daily you know uh, new things appear, um, so it gets more and more cramped and more and more detailed, especially in districts that are less advanced. I would say than Pacifica, um, so it, it may change uh, slightly what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure like players will be able to find it. I mean you know the traffic system and the traffic in general in the city has to have a, a fairly like straight empty streets you know to drive around for AI and so on to handle this uh, so I think the players will be able to find streets uh, easily to test out speed and so on like I, I think the avenue that we have shown in the first demo when you're like um, shooting to the um, scavengers uh, that are in the in the, in that cucumber van <laughs> that is in the front of you that you're shooting to um, uh, when you're like peeking out of the window, that that avenue is like way uh, like straight and long. So, for instance, there I, I think players will be able to test stuff. You know how fast I can go and so on. Next question, because someone has to do it, which means it will be me. Brain dance. Huh. We know there's brain dance in the game because there's this. Uh, uh, at that is everywhere about the Sasha Devon experience. So. Tell us a little bit about Brain Dance, please. Or a mistress of spoilers. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, got a new title. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, <laughs> I... it's number four or five. Five. <laughs> So, no, I, I really shouldn't tell you guys because I would have to spoil too much. I mean, that's a very important part of the lore and fairly important part of the quest and fairly important part of a main storyline ever. Even so, um, I, yeah, I would like not to say more only because I would spoil it for you. Um, like, we are trying to make something interesting. And uh, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have lots of brain dance in game. That's the important part. Yeah. This is not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I was sure. that it, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> so is there... You never is there heard any, anything. Is there, <laughs> is there any particular um, thing that you want to throw out there? We, we've had a lot of questions, but is there anything in particular that you want to mention or bring up that, that hasn't been brought up by either us or the, the community yet? Oh, I mean, Jesus, sure. I mean, if you guys want me to talk, just without question. <laughs> go for it. I yeah, go. all yours. We're happy listening. So. Dear Lord. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can go for hours. Um, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's many, many things, to be honest. Um, 
the thing is that, uh, and I would probably like to start with um, with saying few things to our community, like in general. If you saw the pictures from Gamescom, uh, how many people how many people showed up, and uh, how many people really wanted to see the game. Just wanted to say that we are insanely thankful uh, for for this attention, and it's just like it's fucking scary. Like when I look at these pictures, I'm like, dear lord, <laughs> what's going on? Like, like why they pe- where, why the people are there? Like who was there? <laughs> well, it is scary yeah. on one side. It it comes down to What's the company. What's there? You basically. I mean, it is us. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I, I sort of. I mean, I'm, we are we are very very thankful um, mm. that people are there, that people are coming in, that people are spending time. Like the lines on Gamescom, they had seven hours long. That that's like that's, that's like ridiculous. The, it's ridiculous. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. And I just I know that our team uh, that was showing the game. Um, was doing everything they could to make it as comfortable as they could. Like they were taking way more people in the presentations than they should. Like mm-hmm. people were sitting fucking everywhere on the lamps. The people were sitting on the floor, like just so they can squeeze them in and show them the game. Mm-hmm. And and I know that they want, they did absolutely everything they could, but I know that some people didn't manage to get in. And 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 I mean, one side it makes me very like happy and thankful. On second side, it makes me sad because I really don't. We don't really want to disappoint anybody, right? It, mm-hmm. It's like I, I I think that we I don't think we expected like interest of that level. That that was just like I I think we need to go with a theater for like one thousand people next time. Only <laughs> one hundred is way less, too little, to be able to handle this. Um, that's that's one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, it's it's absolutely like, yeah, you guys can't imagine how much it matters. Uh, it's that me and and my team we are really like looking at the things and we treat ourselves as artists. And uh, like, frankly, I don't give a shit about you know how much we sell, you know how much there is gonna be that people buy of the game and so on. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make the best possible thing. I want the people to really, like, wet themselves when they play the game. I want to talk about I want them to talk about it. I want them to fight over it. I want them to be angry at us that we killed their characters. I want them to uh, be joyful because they managed to make love to the character they wanted. I want them to be happy. I want them to cry and just to experience, you know, like, human-like emotions and just to be able to like see how amazing i would say like things in life can be and be able to like i would say learn and um or other perspective um in the game and we are paying ex- to those things like uh, to to things like you know gender representation, let's say, to things like cultural representation, religious representation, political representation, uh, all those things because they are very tightly connected to the stories that we are telling, and we th- we care a lot. Uh, and I really want the people to feel to to like see that this game is some 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 special for us, 
uh, work we're putting uh, to make sure it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I got all emotional, but mm-hmm. yes, this is, uh, this is the, um, yeah, this is what I want to say, uh, because I, I'm not sure if it's very, like, clear for, for people, and, like, one of the things is, is, like, as I said, I will be talking for hours, so just interrupt me, but <laughs> what other other thing I wanted to say is, like, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> just listen, what like, <laughs> No, but all, all the decisions that we are taking, and if they're, like, creative decisions, marketing decisions, I, I don't know, whatever type of decisions, to make sure that the game is well and our community is treated fair and we give players what they deserve and they give we give them things of a good quality. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, and yeah, and we always try to stay honest, like, like to say clearly what is in the game and what's not. Um, and sometimes it's very, very hard when, when things are taken out of context or misunderstood. And as much as we try to be super clear, game is such a complex beast that talking about it in a simple way is fucking impossible sometimes. Like, just to understand some concepts in it just requires so much backstory and explaining. It's just right. way too complex. And I'm, frankly, I'm worried that some things you won't ever be really understood by everybody, by whole our audience, by everybody who buys the game. Um, there are things that require a bit more, I would say, I don't know, simply about history or philosophy. And, and it's just um, it's just more difficult to talk about it. And it's easy to misunderstand things or see them in the wrong way. Um, that's what I wanted to say. Like, we try to be honest, try to be faithful, try to be uh, clear with what you are doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that's the whole message. I think that's why the community loves you guys so much. You guys are transparent and obviously passionate about creating a piece of art, like you said, instead of maybe at the end of the day selling copies, which is, you know, the goal of a business, but it's also the art element too and, and giving the community what they want. So that's awesome. Well, you also do this weird thing where you're, you're mainly interested in making good games instead of making a, a really, a really um, good money sink for a microtransaction too, which which I know is really shocking and bizarre these days. But you know that that's a very much appreciated by pretty much everybody. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, f- for me, it's just I I personally I just don't play games that have microtransactions in prime in games that are a premium premium titles so when if you pay for it i just don't play it and i just ignore their existence because i think this is the only way for us to just battle this shit like i just i i'm yeah and i'm extremely thankful to the guys in the board that they look at it like this and they believe in it and yeah i mean that's something that i i was like i think they just bought me with their uh vision, their passion, and I'm now referring to Adam uh, Badowski, to to, my, uh, to, to, um, uh, to our board, uh, the guys who just bought me with their, with their vision of the way how they want to run their business. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's, I, I just want to be proud, you know, of, of what I'm doing and what we are doing and not be like, you know, have to be explaining myself uh, in front of people and trying to like dodge like you know questions in like sleazy way. Uh, yeah, it's 
for us. Uh, because thing is that game development is very, it's very, um, like you can make crazy money on it. That's true. But you can make crazy money making good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's as well true, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't really have to do just like one, for once like mediocre crap. That's one level, yeah. but you don't really have to be, make a good game and to just stuff microtransactions and the fuck knows how it's called, surprise something into it. <laughs> surprise, surprise mechanics. <laughs> yeah, like surprise mechanics, but like stuff it inside everything and just see, make the game just, you know, like chop limbs of it because of that. Like you really don't have to do that. Like you can make really good money on it and it's just like beyond me sometimes. Like I just, yeah. So because of that, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm really believing in what we are doing and, uh, and the way we are doing it. Uh, and I, yeah, and, I mean, I like the fact that some companies are sort of following us when they are saying, hey, our game won't have any microtransactions and they're using it almost as a micro marketing slogan. Um, which you probably have to do nowadays because sometimes I sometimes I see our our community, our players, our audience when they are commanding, asking about loot boxes in, in Cyberpunk if there are gonna be any loot boxes, and I'm like, dear lord, like what is going on? Why they are asking about it? like sometimes they're asking in a way as if they would expect them by default that mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we are living in the world when it's like default. It's just beyond me. Like I'm, I started in this industry when it was to deliver quality game because you couldn't patch it at that time when I started. You couldn't patch it easily. Like it's not that the uh, internet connection was required for you to run the game, so you had to make a finished game before it's put out of the door. Mm-hmm. Where I started in the industry, this is the way I was taught and. That's the way, like, you make the game a complete package that you're proud of, that you know that if somebody is somewhere in Antarctica playing cyberpunk, they have no connection to internet, but they run it, it will work. And they don't need day one patch or who knows what experience. You know, it's finished game. Um, so this is, a, you know, this is the school that they came from. And I, I really believe it should be like that. So I, I like the fact that these some company, companies seem to follow our example um, in that way. And, and frankly, what GOG is doing with their uh, GOG2 Galaxy is fantastic. I, mm. I'm, just, I'm just hoping that really like uh, it will catch up and people will see uh, how advantageous it is actually to have all your games in one place. Um, yeah, but that's that's another thing. It's just like I would say another facet of the of the philosophy of, of CD project. Hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, truly is in this day and era where most companies don't really trust in that anymore. And it's just as I think someone from CD Projekt Red were not games factory, so you know you really yeah. you really take your time to develop a game that is not going to be played once or it's going to be forgotten in a month but actually something which is going to be continuously played like years after it comes out because of the passion of the fans and because how you as a company treat us you know the community mm-hmm. yeah i can, love can the can you explain can you explain a small anecdote about that because i just remembered yeah yeah sure go for it i wouldn't the first, the first time that i watched the teaser of cyberpunk 
uh, I watched the teaser of Cyberpunk. I didn't know the game was in development. And um, there were there were people in my place, so I, I saw Cyberpunk. I saw I saw the trailer. I started jumping, jumping around my house. Oh, there's a there's a game, there's a game on Cyberpunk. And after doing that for like ten minutes, my friend stopped me and asked me the question: Who's developing it? Because maybe you shouldn't be happy. <laughs> 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 then we we all went to the computer to see it. And the second, and the second shouting was the people of the Witcher, the people of the Witcher. <laughs> and this is a real anecdote. Um, that's great. That's great. I mean, we're very, very thankful for that kind of reception. I mean, we have worked hard for it, but that's one thing. But second thing is, is like just having the uh, like passion and, and I would say following uh, of the people that they they think you know it's worth. The support is is amazing. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's just like I remember like how many fans I have got personally in the on the E three, and uh, it's been really amazing. Like people people from all over the world, like seriously from from places that I never thought that they would just travel to LA to E three to just talk to us. Hmm. And some people waited for hours to just get into the presentation. The, the same goes for Gamescom. Like, that was incredible. And frankly, the cosplay contest, that was insane. Like, seriously, that Mantis Blade? <laughs> when are we going to see your cosplay, your dumb, dumb cosplay? I saw that on Twitter. Come on, we're waiting for it. Bust that out real quick. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, I definitely have some... Uh, uh, hidden cosplay talents. Uh, so <laughs> as, as soon as I'm done with Cyberpunk, uh, <laughs> then maybe I will. I should go to this uh, realm. <laughs> but I, I hope you guys saw that uh, there was one uh, couple that got engaged on one of our presentation. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's incredible. I, in, in the studio, we're all commenting that, being like, "Yeah, it's just you know, Cyberpunk just makes people love each other." And that's that's the way I want our game to be remembered. No, that is. Because I think I think she had the uh, trauma team T-shirt and like beep hat or something like that. Like they clearly had like a like our merch. Uh, they were wearing you know merchandise from her shop, you know, mm. uh, or or something very clearly connected to Cyberpunk. They were both um, fans of the game. And it was it was awesome. <laughs> it was that actually awesome. reminds me. Is there? I think you guys had said um, in August you guys were releasing the NA merch store for US and Canada. You got? Do you know anything about that? Probably not. But uh, yes, sadly, sadly, I personally don't have uh, any update about the topic. I mean, sure. there are more important, wiser people than me who are taking care of it. So um, I, I'm just hoping that it will be soon. I know that it's in works. And I know this is something that we really want to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those, it, it, it is, you know, as you can probably tell, complex, you know, just sure. make sure. Because we want to make sure that the players around the world that will buy our merchandise will get the same quality. Um, so mm -hmm. that's really the same. That's big. Oh, that's, and that's complicated. <laughs> that gets really complicated because, uh, yeah, it, it's like, because we, I, I don't know if you guys bought anything from the shop, but I, I bought pretty much, I think, every example of one thing from the shop. And <laughs> considering considering to get Geralt right now, the one, the Ronin Geralt, 
uh, because it's just yeah, I just love this figure, this this statue. But yeah, that's a separate story. But um, one of each of those elements, they actually really have cool quality, especially the clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's just like making sure that our U.S. and and and, and Canada uh, players will have access to good quality. Thing is important for us. Uh, so we just need to make it well, and it just takes time. Sure, yeah, uh, that's paramount, right? So. Oh, awesome. Mm. Oof. I guess you're tired. <laughs> I mean, guys, so, my jaw hurts. So many, so many <laughs> questions. <laughs> Get this guy a break. But but yeah, it is a rare opportunity. We have someone from, you know, the development team here. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a fire away. <laughs> All uh, right. I believe yeah. uh, we, we do have one, one really, one more question from Killer... Legacy Killer HD is asking about vehicles and um, vehicle uh, customization. Is is and I believe this is a pretty pretty much a yes or no question. Do we have the ability to customize vehicles, or or is it still on the um, not talking about yet? Uh, yeah, it's sort of the second. <laughs> um, we we have mentioned in in some of the interviews that. Uh, some form of of it might be in the game, uh, but that is really it. Like uh, that's not uh, really a, a very like high pr- primary focused feature for us. So I can't say like right away yes or no to uh, it. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the status. Mm. Okay. You could. Nice. I, I think the best answer is we are considering. Mm. That's the. Yeah, actually, that is a good good answer for that. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know if anyone else. So we're gonna be wrapping this up soon. So if anyone has anything to say for the for the end, feel free to. Do Are we it. going to wrap it up soon? Shit! Now I'm battling with my microphone because I'm having issues. <laughs> yes. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna need a cyber jaw if he wants to continue his <laughs> yeah. jaw's hurting. Well, no, but I'm also in the same in the same time I'm also smiling so much so my my muscles <laughs> and my face hurt me. <laughs> you guys need to be way more boring. That would be the solution. Ah. Well, I mean, so many things to discuss. It's impossible. Well, I would like I would like to uh, and apologize for for the the crappy quality of the audio because I ha- I'm having a problem with my usual microphone and I, I had to put another one. But I would like to talk about music. Plenty of times you commented about the importance of music in the game and the importance of the different characters of the different districts of the game. So, in one hand, I believe that uh, when we are driving, we can choose the music that we want to hear. But is uh, our districts going to have their own type of music as well to give ambient that is typical to the district? How is the character of the district going to be represented apart from visuals, obviously? Um, okay, so uh, this is a really cool question. Um, music is a way for us to draw a picture uh, in players' imagination, in players' understanding of the story, of the missions, of the quests that player is doing. And uh, music has been very important in The Witcher 3. It has been accompanying the players throughout the important quests. We always do a very special like pieces of the music 
for the quests that player is playing. So to just make sure that the music in the quest is not really repeatable, is something that's specifically done for the given moment to make sure that we can touch the players. Of course, because of the amount of content that we have, it's not really possible uh, because it would be like incredible amount. But always like the most important quests, most important elements have their custom music while everything else comes from our library, I would call. And this library of music is something created by our amazing composers. And uh, they make sure that all the districts are depicted a special with a with a with a special way i would say now i cannot really say uh if that means that each of those districts are gonna have one um i would i would say that the best way to um explain that is the way we did in the witcher which is like the huge separate locations they have their own separate themes and separate i would say i would say thought or a meaning or a trope that was behind it and it has been repeating to make sure that the player feels the atmosphere, the special atmosphere of this place. So this is something that we are aiming to recreate in Cyberpunk, to have it very uh, done in a very similar way. And uh, our composers are fucking amazing. And uh, I just I just love whatever whatever Marcin Przybułowicz or Piotr Gadamczyk or um, our our um, composer uh, that I always have trouble to uh, correctly spell his name, uh, Paul, uh, who has done the amazing... Now you know how we feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Savage Polish people with their names, I know. (laughs) But... um, uh, our composers are just making sure that you know it has the correct feel and so on. So I feel, I think it's going to be close to what you have said. Um, but uh, to say precisely uh, what it is, it's it's still ongoing, right? So we are still because there's still some time, uh, and and the soundtrack is still being created, and and we have some insane amount of hours right now. Uh, I cannot discla- disclose numbers, but they are really really high. Uh, right now, so I hope I hope the players will be happy. Then I have another question because uh, it's been mentioned that many times the the subject of of factions that I think we can, we can apply this this uh, this name to cyberpunk. So we have the booster gangs, we have uh, some that are more violent than others, then we have the even more violent. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that we are also going to have vigilante booster gangs, but then are we going uh, to have mega corporations, but are we going to have also the mafia, the triads, the... How many factions are there? Are, are all the ones that are in the pen and paper game? Oh, uh, we have... On, we have few specific factions in the game. There is, uh, from I think, from each representative group, there is some kind of uh, uh, a group that is a faction that is representing them. Um, uh, of course, I don't want to go into details uh, and mention and, and list them out because that basically spoils out exactly what player will find in the game. And uh, as you do the main story, you are being led uh, and you meet different factions. Uh, not all of them are being met in the main story. Some of them you meet only on side quests um, and uh, or on a or uh, on a different side side activities that player can do. Um, and uh, I think the most and the primary uh, focus we have put on the factions as booster gangs 
and on the second side, corporations. So they play the major, I would say, roles in the story of cyberpunk uh, 2077 um, and the way they're depicted, how much, like I would say, screen space they have and so on. Uh, because uh, looking into the whole like base material of cyberpunk 2020, it was a lot. It was like crazy amount of them. Some of them were like extremely varied and so on. So we, of course, obviously had to decide and pick those that we are going to make uh, because it was just simply way too much and for the player it would feel that they are way too undefined. It, it would feel that it's a, a bunch of everything um, and every time there's like somebody who's coming from some group that they don't get and so on. So it's a, it's a way of making sure that those groups are distinct enough, I would say original enough, that they have their own um, uh, like places that you can visit. So I would say headquarters is too big of a word, but you know, um, a place where they are squatting, maybe that's a good way to put it. Um, so that when you go there, you can meet them, you can meet their uh, leaders, uh, various leaders from various groups, because they are very uncohesive groups, uh, the same way how it is pretty much in the reality. Um, and those are like, I would say, corporations, a few of them, and gangs, also a few of them. Uh, in case of gangs, I can probably say it's plenty, actually. Uh, of them, uh, those are the primary focus of the game. Bolsos. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite booster gang. Well, uh, yes, uh, no comment about it. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. Six. Six. <laughs> Are there going to be underground areas of the map? I know there's a lot of verticality, but does that extend to maybe underground subway systems and things like that? Uh, yes, the the verticality means some kind of uh, some uh, underground systems. Mm -hmm. It's not a I I can't say it's a very very complex and dense system, but there is a fair deal of of uh, of a map is actually underground when player goes there and and visits and uh, does actually various things depending of the of the mission. Uh, there are sometimes things for exploration. Sometimes they're connected to let's say the subway system. Sometimes they are connected to uh, just purely exploration or a specific quest that various players are doing. So this is a uh, uh, it all depends, really. Uh, like one thing that has been mentioned uh, from our Gamescom demo, uh, and that that has been, that information has been public, that uh, we have old maglev uh, tunnels. So it's like a monorail uh, train, sort of, um, that you're entering. It's a part where where you meet the Voodoo Boys, um, and it's 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 let's I would say their sort of uh, area. Um, without spoiling more, uh, but yeah, so so there are like distinct, I would say, underground locations. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think we can say that this is like a massive amount of of, of places. I think it's significant and visible when when you when you do that. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you go there, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I uh, just wanted to thank uh, Takeso Shinobi for the 20, 20 pound donation. Um, this is a question. I know you're tired. Just uh, try to answer it as fast as you can. Uh, have you? Uh, he asks, uh, have you used only uh, Cyberpunk 2020 in terms of lore or for certain quests you took references from Blade Runner or other futuristic settings? Oh, okay. That's a cool question. I mean, honestly, we have taken references for everything for really everything that you can from music we have from anime um from the movies clearly and of course pen and paper um pen and paper uh 2020 is dated 
in places. Um, so of course we had to update it quite a lot um, to just make sure it feels good. It, it actually speaks to the to our players who have the experience of you know of, of current world sort of. So it's believable for them. So it's understandable for them. Um, but of course, you know, like in in our inspirations, like Ghost in the Shell, both um, Blade Runner movies, you know, a lot of anime, especially Akira. Uh, Play. They played a great. Actually, they they played a great deal uh, of influence. They had a great of, a deal of influence on us, especially the visual part. Um, so you, when playing Cyberpunk, you actually I think feel and see a lot. And uh, what's really cool for me is that since we have announced Cyberpunk and we've been showing more and more materials, I think we see the resurgence of uh, of this genre a bit on the field of the culture because. Uh, for years now, I mean, um, I would say uh, writers and, and also creators, uh, just just broadly sp- speaking, creators of content, um, we're saying that they, they spider, the cyberpunk genre on the field of the culture, uh, broadly looking, uh, is pretty much dead. Like very little new things is created. And then since we introduced the game, there are also a few things that appeared, you know, um, and uh, the, like, let alone uh, the Blade Runner or, you know, Ghost in the Shell uh, or, you know, the new information about Akira, uh, all that, you know, and um, just the Netflix series, right? So all that coming together, we can see that, you know, there is this resurgence of, a, uh, of this, uh, I would say, genre. And this is really, really interesting for me. Um, and there's plenty of analysis on YouTube why that is and what's going on and what it's connected to. And I, I really... I really like it. I, I actually, um, I actually am looking forward to see the interpretation of of our players and YouTubers and content creators, like what the game is, what the game is about, and yeah, mm. all that. Thank you, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I have I have another question that has been asked several times in the in the chat, and this uh, going back to the subject that is always discussed about about the consequences of your actions. And uh, we're thinking about the consequences when it comes to breaking the law. Uh, obviously, this is Night City, breaking the law in front of someone. Are we going to really face consequences when you do something in front of the police or in, fo- in front of a vigilante booster gang, or they go and just to look at you and forget? Uh, so it all depends on the context. Uh, and this is something you, you, you uh, glanced, uh, you mentioned, because it all depends really where the player is, what is the context of a scenario of a situation that you are? Uh, if you are, of course, in a like booster gang's location and you start like looting shit all over the place, uh, they will definitely want. They definitely want to be happy about it. Um, of course, you know when you are doing like like start killing people, you know, in the plain light on the streets or start doing weird shit in the places where uh, you know let's say corporate guards should react, they will. So it all really depends. If you're in the Badlands where you find like burning cars and like destroyed convoy of nomads and, and so on, the places where nobody is pretty much protecting, um, then it's a different kind of story. So it really depends on the context. Um, if it's clearly like did, uh, sign- if, it, if it's clearly like shown that that kind of action will be considered illegal. Um, then some actions from authorities will be taken. And it all depends what kind of authorities those are, because sometimes uh, it's just a gang reacting to you. Sometimes those, this is police. Sometimes those are corporate guards. Um, sometimes those are guards of a given, like, let's say, shop. 
uh, that you are. Uh, so it all depends uh, on the context, on, on the on the place you are. But basically, cyberpunk is a world where where um, I would say power in terms of like authority is very spread. And uh, in the in the political literature, it's called balkanization, right? So it, it means that uh, the power gets spread. Uh, and, and divide it into smaller centers of power. And that's why everybody has their own guards. You know, everybody has their own, uh, like Miltech has their own army, right? That became army of US at some point. And, uh, you know, um, some some very elegant shops, they have their own bodyguards, you know, but police exists and police is trying to make a, an order in some parts of the city, but other parts of the city, let's say Pacifica, yeah, there is uh, there are voodoo boys, there are animals who are taking care of the order there, and they took it in their hands, you know, and they consider a, a lawful action something absolutely different than police officers, and so on. So it's this is how the cyberpunk world is. The the war the the power is not really centralized. It's it's spread between those those different sources of interest. I would say. How far does NPC react? I mean, if you are in the middle of the street and, and you start shooting and uh, this is Night City, everybody has a gun with them. Are they going to shoot back? Are they going to defend themselves? Are yes. there only specific NPCs that are going to react or everybody is reacting here? It depends of what kind of NPC that is. So if you are, if that's, if the person you have threatened is a person that logically thinking could have a gun and fight back, they will most likely fight back. There are scenarios when they want, depending if player did, maybe they feel threatened anyway, um, and they, they won't try to fight us. But there are also scenarios when um, those are just uh, citizens that do not have too much uh, to do with the guns in general, and they will try to escape or run away, or they will simply think that you are too big of a threat and they will run away. Um, so that is, uh, so they, they will react basically depending of who they are, uh, depending of the, I would say, AI archetype basically that defines, decides about it, um, what should I do at the given scenario. Uh, so th those situations can be varied. So uh, mm. just a quick follow-up question to that. Um, have you guys ensured, uh, following along with, of course, mainstream um, systems and mechanics, that your uh, grab the person and shoot them in the head button is the same button for chat, and it just kind of like accidentally flips back and forth when you're like close to an NPC trying to talk to them? Oh, dear Lord, I mean, of course we did. <laughs> like, uh, no, 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 I mean, of course, it's just like a primary ergonomic thing for me. Uh, no, they are absolutely on different buttons, and I don't think you ever okay. mix it. So it's like, okay. uh, in our I... game, <laughs> in our game, when like giving, like taking away somebody's life and, and having the non-lethal playthrough, like it's extremely important for us so that the players are like clear uh, when they want to kill and then where not, so... Yeah, accidental kills of uh, important NPCs shouldn't happen, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks well, thanks another, for another... Uh, entertaining my, uh, my, my silly question there. <clears throat> another question. I have lots. I mean, w once you're tired, you just tell me, yes, stop. But I can be asking <laughs> questions for days. She won't stop until you <laughs> yeah. tell her absolutely no more. So, <laughs> I mean... Um, for talking to you guys, I think we should slowly wrap it up because this mm, material yeah. is hot as hell right now, probably. But <laughs> okay, okay so... one I have I have one very more important one. It's been in the news lately, um, and and a lot of people are 
are a little confused and a little worried and I kind of see where the confusion started at. So um, just, to, just to clarify, the, the area and the, the playable area that you'll see throughout the game is not smaller than The Witcher, right? Um, oh god, oh, sorry, my Windows tries to update. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay, it's persistent. Um, this is a this is a difficult question to answer, and the reason is because of the density of the content and because of the verticality. Uh, because the direct answer, I have no idea, and that's the direct answer. And we are unable to even count it right now. Like what I know, it feels fucking absolutely massive. The problem is that when you have those um, mega buildings with so many floors. Mm -hmm. um, then you have buildings that are flat then you have the badlands that are mostly flat then you have some underground locations it's just like what like like do you count the um, you know area covered by water because you can swim so do you count that as playable I guess because you can play there right so it's like so difficult to say um, for me, um, like, you know, like blankly, yes, no, uh, for that, it feels very big. Like we, we have put a lot of work into, into make sure that there's plenty of area. Um, but in, in terms of square meters, like purely looking at that, I, I cannot tell. And the reason is that we are still wrapping up the game. Like some buildings are getting more floors. Mm -hmm. Some are getting less floors when we are reworking things. So it's like, Sometimes it's like, like I'm like I really don't know. Like right. I am very very confident in the fact that it's really fucking big. And the thing is that we always think that we made it to that we make too small of a game, and then it turns out that we misguided it a lot. It's I, like I it's half bigger. So yeah, I think I think the question probably would have been better. It's probably better suited to somebody who, who's more on the, the technical aspect because it's that's one of the things that, that anybody who's like doing lots and lots of map creation or or working on the physics is like they kind of have a running idea in their head and and so it it doesn't always get translated out I think the, the best way. So but no that that's that's good because I think again I think this is this is a little overblown but I think mm -hmm. it's as long as it feels big, why would you get caught up in the semantics of the yeah. particular yeah. square footage, right? Yeah, I mean, what's important, guys, for us is the uh, guys and girls uh, and, and our audience. What's important for us is the fact that um, we try to pay the at most attention to quality. Mm -hmm. Right? If it's just a shit ton of emptiness, it's not interesting, right? It's a filler. Mm -hmm. it, 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 like. You know, I would rather have a really one, really great building with awesome interior and, and meaningful content there rather than a bunch of square meters that are empty, right? And it's just it, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, what we put the most attention at is the fact that if you have those square meters there of the map, of the buildings, of the interiors, of the underground locations, if it's there, of interesting things there. If there's if if it's dense enough, if it's interesting enough, that's the most important thing. Like the size of it is like a second thing. Naturally, with the quality, obviously, 
because of, we build big games, we build big stories, we really want to immerse the player, and we really want this game to be massive. And like considering our production schedule and amount of like you know all like ninja juggling uh, we had to do to make sure that we squeeze all the tasks into you know in the roadmap and so on, it feels insanely big. But the square meters is a super uh, tricky question. Arbitrary thing, yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and and again is like I don't think it's uh, from what we had heard from very early on reporting on this we had never been given like a square meterage we'd always been given like you know a, a running calculation so that that is of course naturally something that that has been constantly shifting and changing and it doesn't always translate to what you know when we when we first talked about the the concept it's it came out as one thing and then um you know somebody immediately ran with it into a completely different direction it's like oh not not really what we meant but yeah that's 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 good that answers it so yeah all right i think i think pavel you need you need to to get some rest (laughs) i just run out of water yeah we're sorry for the barrage of questions we do apologize but we're very we're very grateful that um you're here Mm -hmm. with us and that uh CD Projekt is is so involved with the community and this just just you coming to the podcast shows how much the company actually cares for the for the community. So thank you again from all of us and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I wanted to thank you guys, like specifically, uh, like guys and and Matt Quinn, like four of you, uh, five of you, <laughs> all of you, really, uh, for the interest you have in the game. Because uh, we in the studio and in my team, we watch the materials you're doing on the on the YouTube, and I'm not sure how clear it is for uh, people like outside of the studio, but we like read, watch, and and listen to a lot of the things that you're doing and you're saying. And um, yeah, and if you care about something and you talk about it, we definitely hear it. Um, nice. And that's like the first, like I, I think that's like first step, right? Like if it's something is important for you and you make it important, and you feel it's important when you talk about it, um, mm-hmm. when it's different from our original plan, we'll definitely we definitely think about it. You know what our community thinks, what our community wants, because we make it for the players, right? We want make the game we want, but we make it also for for the people. So it's great when. When there's this feedback loop, you know, when when communities talking back uh, to us, and especially for the content creators, like the fact that you um, all of you are are making the the content and putting a lot of effort into making sure that it's in a clear, understandable, clean way, uh, I, I really really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward for the new things you guys make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if you re- if you are reading the comments, but the, everybody's putting hearts and sending love away. Oh, uh, thank you guys. No, I'm I'm not uh, reading comments, but I really really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. All so right. For yeah. the uh, just before before we finish up for the giveaway, um, I think what we will do is we will have a tweet that will will have this uh, video that will come out afterwards. So if you are following us on uh, on Twitter, um, I think we'll we'll do a tweet tomorrow, uh, between today and tomorrow, depending on where you are in the world. And if you guys are all following one, uh, follow all of our channels. Um, and if you guys uh, bounce back on those channels um, with with a like and a follow and a comment, want on the video that we post, uh, we will put it into one of the machines that um, 
randomly picks a, a, a winner from that. So we'll we will do that, and that's how we'll probably handle the uh, the giveaway. And of course, we want to we want to address this to the giveaway is from Artelsorian. Uh, these are the guys who are making re- um, Cyberpunk Red. This is, of course, Mike Pondsmith's company. Big, big supporter of Mike Pondsmith. We love his content. We love his work. This is, of course, the foundation for what has been made with Cyberpunk 2077. This is the, the lore and the information that leads from 2020 into 2045. And then from 2045, we're going to be seeing some content there that's going to be dropping that's going to give us some clues as to what's going on in 2077 so um so follow us on on each of our twitters and we will post that link tomorrow that way this will give everybody who's who has a chance to listen to the podcast um will be able to hop on that and and uh get their application in for that um it is for the digital version of the of the uh cyberpunk red game the, the jumpstart kit it's not the full one yet they haven't released that one yet um it is the digital version not the physical version so if you want follow us all and tweet at us and we're going to be picking three winners from uh people who reply to the uh the various tweets and we'll have more information on that tomorrow so thank you uh, sorian yeah thank you thank awesome. you <clears throat> all right so this should be this should be probably a wrap up. So thank you, thank you everyone for, for coming to the podcast. Thanks to the usual bunch, and thank you again, Pavel, for coming. Thank you, guys. It was amazing. Uh, it was, it was. We're looking forward to more, uh, to more uh, podcasts, and of course, next podcast. Who is gonna? Who is hosting that? Triple S. Yes. Uh, yeah. So next week, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 Community Podcast on the Triple S League channel check it out thank you all for watching thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one